God bless you and welcome to Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast. We appreciate and welcome all of you, our listeners around the world. Stay tuned to hear an exciting word from pastor teacher, Dr. James Sutton. verse 1. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. Verse 6, he makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Siron like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes a deer give birth and strips the forest bare and in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. It's just like the other Psalms. We're talking Emmanuel, God with us. We see nature mentioned in it. We see uh, now we have something kind of new added. We have his voice added. So we're just going to do line by line and verse by verse. And we're going to talk about Psalm 29. So in Psalm 29, it's broken down to three portions. It's broken down to three portions. This Psalm is a, is a praise of God and it is an exhortation of his mighty work during the time of battle or during the time when they used to go to Pentecost as they would go to Pentecost they would sing this song or they would give this exhortation. Okay. The first part is an introduction. That's verses 29, one through 29, two. And it gives an introduction, which the sons of the mighty one are called upon to praise him. And then the second part is, is, is that, that the main body is from Psalms 29, three through 29, 29.10 and then we have the last part from 29.10 to 29.11 we have the part of application we have the part of application so it's broken down into the three parts okay the song is like I said portioned into three parts it has the first part is the introduction 
where we see that it's a calling of God. It tells us uh, ascribe to the Lord, the heavenly uh, beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Now, that word ascribe, that word ascribe means learn. That word ascribe means give credit, give acknowledgement, give praise, give glory. Give to God what is due to God. Give to God what is due to God. And the heavenly beings, some scholars say the heavenly beings are the angels and the heavenly hosts. Some say the ones who are on the earth, the heathens on the earth, the earth, as we read the last passage, uh, 28, with the gates, the last passage talks about the human giving God praise, but scholars can't agree on this part, or who are the heavenly hosts? The believers still need to give God some praise. So the bottom line is, everything that has breath needs to give God some praise. Okay? Everything that has breath that needs to give God some praise. Everything that has breath needs to recognize how mighty and wonderful God is. They need to understand that in his host, their only thing their hosts need to do is praise the Lord. One of the things, saints, that we need to focus on is our worship and our praise and acknowledgement of God. In these Psalms, God with us, as we see the blessings from God come from acknowledging him. More so than the moral code of following rules and regulations and commandments, the, the thought is, if we bless God right, if we praise him correct, if we acknowledge him for what he's done and what he's doing, our worship will be pure and our character will demonstrate uh, that in our day-to-day -day lives. So it's out of our worship that our character grows. Our sanctification becomes mature. Okay? So, so some think, again, that it's the heathen. I would say everything that has breath, give, give the Lord some praise. Everybody that has breath. Give the Lord the glory and the praise. Verse 2. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto him. Well, what does the glory do unto the Lord? We'd have to go to Psalms. Go to, open your Bibles. Go to Psalms 96 and 8. 96 and 8. Because Scripture explains Scripture. 96 and 8 says, here we got the word again. Ascribe to the Lord. The glory do his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. So we come into the court of God when we recognize and give glory to his name. His name is Emmanuel. His name is Jesus. His name is Yeshua. So when we give glory to his name, we are able to come into the presence of the Lord. When they talk about coming to his courts, for us, it's not a physical place. For the Jews, it was a physical place. It was the temple and the temple of worship. For us, what we come is to boldly before the throne of grace. So when we come into the court of God, we come boldly before the throne of grace. But they were talking about coming into the temple. Now, remember what I said earlier. This saying, this psalm was sung on Pentecost. Was sung on the way to Pentecost or on Pentecost. So this song was an exaltation to the mighty works of God doing one of their most holy festivals. We don't wait for a holy festival. We exalt God every day. We, we take the opportunity where it's different for us than it was for them. It's much different. Psalms, let me see. Let me go further in the lesson here because it's not going to be that long. So we see that in this psalm that 
Our goal is to simply worship God. Our goal is to is to find out what God wants us to do. And then it changes. It's an abrupt change. We have the worship of God. And now we have God speaking. It says, verse three, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. Now, when it says that the voice of the Lord is over the waters, you have to go back to creation where the waters were held up in the clouds because we have thunder and water. So he's not he's not meaning rivers at this time. What he means is the voice of the Lord is contained in the clouds and in the waters of the heaven. Last night, we got an example of that. I don't know if some of you didn't hear that. It was one loud thunder that really just shook everything last night. And it, it said, man, this goes along with the lesson. The voice you want to hear the Lord. Listen to the thunder. And I was telling somebody today that in that little thunder that sh shook St. Louis, some parts may have heard it a little bit better than others. But think about this. When the Lord returns, the whole world is going to hear that thunder, that voice, the whole world at the same time. Can you imagine that that voice that's going to come and split the heavens open is going to shake the earth. It's going to move mountains. It's going to do what it did at creation. And we're going to know that it's the return of the Lord because it's not going to be like anything else we've experienced. It's almost like this coronavirus. It's going to change things forever because God is on his way to return. We keep looking at the signs on earth, but the Bible clearly tells us that the heavens going to give us the sign that the Lord is returning. And it's going to be a noise, a sound, a voice from the ark, like an archangel that Jesus is coming back. So we have looking for that voice that that Jesus is on his way back to us. So the voice is very important. So then we got verse four. We got verse four and verse four tells us the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. So we have we have we have the voice of the Lord coming in its full array of majesty. OK, in its full array of majesty. It is a, it's almost like a beauty. When we think of, of beauty, the Greek word of for beauty, we, it's almost like majesty. It's 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 in all of its adornments and all of its grandeur. It's in all of that God wants it to be. It's not separate from his character. His voice is him and he is his voice. And it comes in this majestic, uh, strong, with strength, way, full of power. The voice that can change things, the voice that can move mountains, the voice that thunders. Now, these are giving acknowledgement to God. Now, we're not talking about thunder necessarily thundering in wrath. We're not talking about being angry. We're just saying the strength of the Lord's voice is like thunder. Now, these are word pictures to give us an illustration in our mind what it looks like, but not really, because it's more majestic than thunder. It's more powerful than than a noise. It's 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 the Lord moving on his creation. And the Lord has a providential, uh, uh, as I say, providential um, responsibility to remove on his creation. That he chooses that nothing can alter what he wants. Nothing can bend the will of God. And oftentimes in history, when we read the Old Testament, we see God speaking to the prophets and the prophets speaking to the people. And therefore, God is moving on the earth through the prophets and the and the and the ones he chooses. 
God is mighty and God is strong. God is the creator. And we can get that out of three, two. If we look at uh, Psalms 18 and three, 18 and three. Let me see Psalms 18 and three. We turn to it. Psalms 18 and 3 says, The Lord also thunders in the heavens, and the Most High utters his voice. Hailstones and coals of fire. So we got hailstones and coals of fire again. These not actual coals of fire. These are not actual hailstones. But anybody that grew up in that time and understood the Old Testament, understood that God laid down hailstones during the time of of Moses. So God speaks through these acts of nature that we need to pay attention to. Even the heathen can't avoid the fact that God is moving on the earth during these times. Okay? During these times. So verse 4, the voice of the Lord is power, powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Then we got verse 5. Verse 5 tells us that this voice, the voice of the Lord, breaks the cedars. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. So now we have it. The, the Lord is doubling up. So think about this. They give general description of what the voice of the Lord is doing. It, it breaks. It breaks the cedars. But then it's powerful enough to be specific to break the cedars of Lebanon. So God's power is generally seen, but God's power can be focused. God's power can be focused. Now, I want you to think about this. God has a general grace, but the grace of God can be focused on you. God has a general mercy that is given to everybody, sinner and saint alike. But God's voice and power and grace can be focused on you. So this is about the broadness of God's power and then the exacting of God's power that it can focus just on the cedars of Lebanon. Again, word pictures, word illustrations, a lot of hyperbola. It says he makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Siloron like a young wild ox. Now, that's a word picture that's kind of kind of complicated. Because we're not familiar with skipping, you know, it doesn't make sense. He he makes the the he makes it skip, you know, like a like a wild ox, like a calf, and certainly like a young wild ox. Think about when the thunderstorm comes in animals. Sometimes when they hear the thunder and the lightning, they jump just like we do. They are startled by it, even though they know it's coming. They are startled by the, the move of God in his creation with the thunder and the lightning. So we're still talking about up in the air. What God brings down from the heavens to the earth is startling to his, his creation. The young calf who has a mother to protect it and the ox who is strong. So the strong and the weak are moved by the word of God. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire 
So now we have the voice of the Lord flashing forth flames of fire. This is not the fire that comes out of the, the, the necessarily the tongue of Jesus when he comes back. Okay? Because we got to remember in context what we're talking about. So if we're talking about the flash, what flash is lightning? So we talked about the thunder and the clouds. We talked about the water and the clouds. And now we're saying also the voice of the Lord is maybe demonstrated in the flash of fire that comes from heaven. Okay? The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. See, general. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. Now, Kadesh is a city, I believe, in the southern part of the territory. So what he's describing now is from one end of the promised land to the other end of the promised land, where the Mount Moriah is and Mount Haran is, the voice of the Lord will shake them even to move the mountains off of their place. So again, we have the exhortation. So just imagine everybody saying this at one time. Everybody knows the words and everybody saying how great the Lord is, how magnificent the Lord is to the point that even the young and the old, even the young in creation and the strong in creation are shaken by his words, which are thunderous and, and, and there are lightning like fire and they are like water coming down from the heavens. The voice of the Lord, the voice of the Lord takes a deer and gives birth and, and strips the forest bare. And in his temple, all cry glory. Again, these, this hyperbole is just so much to think about. It says the voice of the Lord makes a deer give birth. Now, when they were talking about that, the, the, the commentaries talked about the fact that normally when a storm comes, the, the sheep that were pregnant, if they ran astray and the storm came, it would force them to give birth. But if they stuck together, the calming effect of being together would uh, prevent an early birth. They were also saying in something I read that when storms come hurting animals, they all face the same direction. They all put their, their backs to the, where, which way the, so the storm is coming from the south. They all put their backs to the storm and face the same direction. And they find comfort in the fact that they're facing the same direction. And the Lord shakes and gives birth to uh, strips the forest. So now we have the power of the Lord with his word, with his storm, with his lightning, with his hail. With all the power that, that the nature has, it begins to lay even the great forest bare. That is the power of, of God. Okay. And then in the temple, in the sanctuary, now think about this. All is being disrupted. There's disruption going on because the voice of the Lord is upon the earth. But in his temple, what's going on in his temple? There's peace in his temple. There's rest in his temple. There's comfort in his temple. It's the temple's a sanctuary. So even though the land may be bare, even though all these, these acts of nature may be happening, inside the temple, the people cry glory. I want you to meditate on that for a second. Whatever's going on around you, saints of God, because the temple is you now, and the Holy Spirit is living in you, you don't have to go to the, necessarily go to the church house, you should better cry glory in the midst of a storm. 
in the midst of this coronavirus, you got to give God some glory. In the midst of your troubles, whatever you have that may stem from the virus of you not working, visiting family members, you as a child of God and his body. Because we know and we have the scripture to tell us that they look forward to going in the sanctuary in, in Judea. We are the sanctuary and therefore we cry glory. It's a beautiful thing to see. You got an outward expression, but now that the saved people, thus called saints and brothers and sisters in Christ, we have an internal relationship that's going on with God that we cry glory externally. Think about it. They had an external relationship with God, had to get to the, to the, to the temple, and then they cried glory internally. We have glory inside of us and then we say glory, no matter what we're going through. No matter how bad it looks, <clears throat> if you're a child of God, you should give God his glory. And now we come to verse 10. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. Now we have another disaster. God was still on the throne when the flood came. Well, now we're not, we're not talking about in the clouds anymore. We're talking about the judgment that God put down on the earth during the Noah, Noah time, during the times of Noah, the great flood. So God, now think about this. Other than Noah and his families, the people when the flood came, probably, first of all, they didn't believe Noah and Noah was telling them to repent. They thought Noah was crazy by building the ark. But Noah made it in the ark and he cried glory while the destruction of the flood was carried on. And the people that were there did not worship God because they were heathen. And we learned in Genesis that at that time, God had looked down at man and man was evil all the way through. His heart was evil. And God decided to pass judgment on creation, but save Noah and his family. So during the great flood, God is still on the throne. So what are you saying, Pastor? This is what I'm saying. Even though judgment comes, we should be in the ark of safety. Others will feel that God is not in control. There are some saints, some dear saints that believe this is judgment. This is not judgment. This is not judgment, because if this was judgment, there would be a wiping out of a people, not here and there and people recovering. When God decides to put down judgment, there is no recovery. There is no getting better. So this is not judgment, but this has a purpose. And just like the flood, as great as the flood was in its destructive uh, 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 abilities, we have to look at what we're going through now and say, we need to be still crying glory for God. We still need to be pointing out that God is worthy to be praised. We need to continue to, to, to grow in grace because this is just a means by which God has allowed to happen so that a purpose can be done. God is a mission oriented God and everything that he does whether we like it or understand it, is to bring him glory somehow. That's why we say all things happen to the good for those who love God. Not 
all things happen to the good that we understand it and that what we want. It's our love of God that we rationalize in our minds that it's going to be good because God has allowed it to happen. Because if he ordains everything to come to pass, he ordains everything to come to pass, whether you understand it, like it or agree with it. Because he asked the question, where were you when I created this earth? Where were you when I created everything that's in creation? Where were you? Did I seek your counsel? No, he didn't. So when we don't understand catastrophe, we don't sit there and want it to come. But we have to understand it in light of God's sovereign prerogatives. We have to understand catastrophe when it comes to uh, God's uh, uh, providence over his creation. See, what we want to do is give God authority over our life when things are going well. But we don't want to give God authority over our life when things are not going like we want them to. See, and when I, I use that, and I'll say bad because well, bad, good is relative to the person. Where there's, there's a person that can think a situation is bad, and there's a person that thinks the situation is good. Just like the reopening. Some say, they say it's bad, some say it's good. But glory to God. Whether it's bad or it's good for you, God still is glorified. God is still glorified. And that takes maturity to come to that conclusion. Uh, verse 10. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. So the Lord is an everlasting king. It's not temporary. It's everlasting. And I know all saints believe that. But to comprehend that he's the king forever and that he's in control. This passage is about exhorting God because he's in control and that his voice, his power, his majesty, his goodness, goodness, his adornment is all based upon his prerogatives and that we as his creation and, and saints of God, just like then, just like now, we have to continually seek his face and give him praise because we've got to remember what are these patches about God with us. We just see another aspect of God of being with us dealing with nature, but allowing us to get to the, to the, to the church house or get to the sanctuary, which is Jesus. G the ark is a shadow of Jesus for those who are saved. Our safety is in Jesus Christ. Our lives are hidden in Jesus Christ. And once we come to Jesus, out of the thunder, out of the rain, out of the destruction, out of the floods of life, the CIAs of life, the circumstances, incidents, and accidents, we say glory to God. That's our position. And then it's now we have the, pra the practicality of it. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the, may the Lord Bless his people with peace. Hmm. So let's think about this for a second. The Lord is more than willing to bless you. And the Lord is willing to bless you with peace with all. Now think about it in context of the script scripture with all that going on. <clears throat> with floods happening, with thunderstorms, with 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 fire, with 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 uh, the woods and the nature being stripped bare, and God is saying, "Once you get to me, once you get to me, 
I will give you strength. Well, what do I need strength for when I got? Because you're going to have to get out in this world. We're in this world and I love this world. And you're going to need some strength right now. So God's saying, you come to me, you can get strength. Even though things are going on around you, you should gather strength from me. That's why the Bible says that, that it's through the scriptures that we gain hope. It's through encouragement and patience in the, of the scriptures that we gain hope. That these things were written aforetime for our learning. That through patience and encouragement and endurance of the scriptures that we may have hope in them. We have hope in what the Bible says. We may not understand all this word pictures. I haven't seen hail storms as far as the kind that were in, in, in uh, biblical, biblical times because they said they were, it was like fire. But I know the last night that I saw a small tiny glimpse of the power of God to destroy. But whether I by nature get destroyed, my soul is at rest in peace in God because I'm saved. And that has to be our position. And that has to be our posture. That no matter what happens around us, we're not looking for nothing to happen. We pray against the things that we don't want to happen. But if by chance God and his providence allows it to happen, then we as saints have to be the first one to give him praise. Yes, we mourn with those who are mourning, but we do not neglect the fact that he's sovereign. And in this time, your ability to understand the sovereignty of God and the prerogatives of God are going to be tested. You can't come with your presuppositions that he wants you healthy, wealthy, and wise. What he wants you is saved. And once you save, then everything else will take care of itself. When you seek him first, everything else. On a super a superficial level, we talk about things. But on the spiritual level of that passage of seek ye first, is that when you seek him first, then the things of God in the spirit of God will come to you and you will have everything you need to have strength and have peace. See, all that is getting given to you when you seek God and seek his safety. Again, no matter what's going on in creation, no matter what's going on in your life, there's a peace to be had when you seek God, the ark of safety, which is Jesus Christ. And God is more than powerful enough. If he's powerful enough to do all the things we read in the first uh, nine, nine verses, he is sure enough powerful enough to give you peace because he is the prince of peace. But we still have to seek him and we still have to glorify him. Okay. And glorifying him does not necessarily mean yelling and screaming. Okay. Glorifying him means a lifestyle that exemplifies what he was trying to do on earth. It's save folk. That's what, it, that's what glorifying God is. Now, can you yell and scream and be happy about it? Yes, you can. But necessarily yelling and screaming and being happy about it and even singing about it doesn't mean that you're glorifying him because the glorification comes from the heart that's pure and the hands that's clean. See, everything plays upon everything else. The heart that's pure and the hand that's clean. So, with that, that is uh, tonight's lesson. And I want to, you know, and I want to encourage you to go back and read it and meditate it and pray on it again. Are you at peace right now? Have you been giving God glory? No matter what's happening around you? Or have you got caught up into what's happening and forgot that God is in control? That nothing slips by him.
He doesn't have an aha moment. You know, he doesn't have an aha moment. Don't get caught up into us talking about eschatology. That's end times. So that's a real fancy word for end times. Everybody focused on end times. And I always pose this question. Whether you pre-tribulation, that means we're taken out of here before the tribulation starts. Mid-tribulation, we're taken out of here in the middle of the tri tribulation. Post-tribulation, we have to go through it and take it out at the end, the church. What difference does it make the philosophy you have towards that if you're not saved? If you're not saved, it doesn't make a difference what you think. And see, we get caught up in them issues that are secondary issues. They're, it's good to learn and good to study, but they are definitely secondary issues. They are definitely secondary issues. So you guys can come back in. You can unmute your phones and we can uh, talk briefly about this, uh, this passage. Uh, does any, anybody have any favorite part of this passage or need further? I want to thank you again, saints of God, for coming along with us through the word of God on today. Our journey has been short and brief, but we look forward to continuing on with you in God's vineyard. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to contact us, please do so by emailing me at WITMIN at Yahoo.com or SUTTON968 at gmail.com We always want you to be encouraged and be blessed and be at peace and always remember walk in truth and thank you again for coming along on today's journey